So this preach is for young people and their parents and the community, our family, in which uh, they live. Colin, it's so nice to see you this morning. Yo, love you, man. So um, I'm going to use the same format that I've been using the last two Sundays. I'm going to tell you up front, what is it that you need? Hello, young ladies. Uh, sitting right in the front row. Good morning. <laughs> Who are you guys? What's your name? Lovely to have you guys. Where are you from? Cryfontaine. Tableview. Nice to have you. Okay. The Lord has brought you. Is this your first time today here? Yours. Yes. Okay. Listen to what's about to be said. It's going to be amazing for your life. Okay? Good. Okay. I'm going to go back over here. So, young people, what do, what, what do you need that the Lord wants to give you today? Vision. To see yourself the way that God sees you. To see the value and the importance of your life. To learn how to live in such a way as to please God. And how to attract the favor of God in your life. And the grace of God in your life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. To awaken the desire to know God inside of each of you. So that you would walk with God from today onwards. To parents, what do you need? And when I say parents, I mean everyone who's in this community because our children all look to you. You are the example. And you need to be an example to the children. You need to invest in the children. To invest yourself your time, your passion into our children and young people. Notice I didn't say your children. I said our children. Because our children need a community to grow up in. They don't just need a small mom and dad family. What do you call that? Chesin. What is Chesin? The small one. What, what do you call it in English? The nuclear family. Thank you. We, 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 yes, we have, you know, me and my wife and our kids, a, a nuclear, a, a, an, an individual family. But we, as the people of God, are an extended family. We are a community. And we need to invest in the children in our community. My children need the input of you. And to all of us, God wants to tell you that He loves you, that He cares for you, that He is strong enough to provide for you, to lead you, to guide you, to direct you, to instruct and to discipline you. God is looking for, from young to old, hearts and lives that are surrendered completely to Him and that are given to Him and lives that belong to Him that He can use for His glory. So, what am I selling? What's the key point? It's these. Number one, time is limited. Time is short. And therefore, invest your time in God. Do it now. God wants to capture your heart now. Young people, God wants to capture your heart now. Not when you grow up. 
When you are earning money, when you have a family of your own, no, God wants your heart now. God wants to be your God while you are still young. Now is the time to get to know Him, to, to, to learn how to love Him. Now is the time to start to grow and to build and develop your faith, to build the foundation that the rest of your life will be built on. So find a place now to serve God with what He's put in your life. To be planted in a field now and start to grow and to bear fruit. Start somewhere and start now. Now you know the way this goes. Once we get to Scripture, it gets real. But I'm just giving you an overview, an introduction how will this benefit you and why will it benefit you if you get this today? It will motivate you to seek and to know God for yourself. To see Him work in and through your life now. Okay, let's start looking at Scripture. I, uh, yesterday morning, I, uh, was up and I was having my quiet time in the kitchen and uh, George my son came downstairs and he was dressed in his football kit because Saturday is football match day and uh, he was looking wonderful uh, and uh, he had his ball with him and he came and sat at the kitchen table and I said to him morning my boy he said, morning dad I said um, have you spent some time with God yet and he said Ah, Dad, he says, uh, I don't feel like spending time with God now. Um, but I'm going to go play my football match, and then afterwards, you know, I'll, I'll have my quiet time. And so I said to him, okay, George, let me read you a scripture. Remember, my boy. And I read him the scripture. And after that, I was crying. And he was like, yo, okay, I'm going to go spend time with God. Can I read it to you? Okay. Don't let the excitement, this is Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Don't let the excitement of youth cause you to forget your creator. Honor him in your youth before you grow old and say life is not pleasant anymore. Remember him before the light of the sun, moon and stars is dim to your old eyes and rain clouds continually darken your sky. Remember him before your legs, the guards of your house start to tremble and before your shoulders, the strong men stoop. Remember him before your teeth your few remaining servants stop grinding. And before your eyes, the women looking through the windows see dimly. Remember him before the door to life's opportunities is closed and the sound of work fades. Now you rise at the first chirping of the birds, but then all their sounds will grow faint. Remember him before you become fearful of falling and worry about danger in the streets. Before your hair turns white like an almond tree in bloom and you drag along without energy like a dying grasshopper and the caperberry no longer inspires sexual desire. Remember him before you near the grave, your everlasting home when the mountains will weep at your funeral. Sorry, the mourners will weep at your funeral. Yes, remember your creator now while you are young, before the silver cord of life snaps and the golden bowl is broken. Don't wait until the water jar is smashed at the spring and the pulley is broken at the well, for then the dust will return to the earth and the spirit will return to God who gave it. All through that scripture, it says, remember 
your creator while you are still young. And then it says, remember him, remember him, remember him, remember him before anything else happens. Sometimes I'm like a dying grasshopper when I wake up in the morning trying to walk to the bathroom because of my back pain. Yeah? Remember him. Honor him as well. Don't just remember him. Honor him with your youth, with your passion, with your strength. Don't wait. Don't waste your life. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8 says, Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle. For our hope is in the living God who is the savior of all people and particularly of all believers. Teach these things and insist on them that everyone learn from them. You know, when I was chatting, I, I chatted with one of the young men at the back this morning. And I said, hi, good morning, how are you? And he said, yo, I'm really tired. And it's very interesting because my children have been working very hard at school this past season, since December. And most mornings when I greet them, I'm like, good morning. And they're like, morning, Dad. I'm like, how are you? Yo, I'm so tired. And there is something about working hard and being tired and having a good rest. It's important that we live balanced lives. And that, but there's something that we need to learn as young people, which is that God calls us to work. I'll give it as an example our first-time visitor, Robert, who's a good friend of mine. He said to me in the week, I would like to come to church with you. I said, great. Just be at my house about quarter to ten and we'll go together. He said, great. But he lives in Atlantis in Witsand, which means he had to wake up around seven o'clock this morning and walk for about 40 minutes to the bus stop and then wait at the bus for 40 minutes. And so by the time he got quarter to ten at my house, he'd been traveling since around quarter past seven. And so young people, I think we need to view life a little bit differently. We've got energy, we've got strength, we've got time. And, and this passage in Timothy says, this is a trustworthy saying and we should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle. Young people... The call is to start to work hard now on your relationship with God. This is a, it's a call to arms. It's a call to, to wake up. It's a call to get to know God for yourself this morning. And then it says, it continues, don't let anyone think less of you because you are young. But be an example to all believers in what you say, in the way that you live, in your love, your faith, your purity. Until I get there, focus on reading the scriptures to the church, encouraging the believers, teaching them. Don't neglect the spiritual gift you receive through prophecy spoken over you. And, and the, the risk can be that because there are adults in the service or because we're around parents and, and older people, we sit back. But today is a call from God to wake up and to rise up young people. To be involved in the things of God. Not just to watch your parents do it. Not just to go and sit with them when they have a quiet time. But to go to God for yourself and to learn from God. Pause for a second.
sorry for the uh, intermission. There's some people that need to hear this, and uh, they're busy serving at the moment. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say they need to come in and listen. Young people, and this is the last key scripture, but trust me, there's a lot more scripture coming. Listen to this scripture in Isaiah chapter 40. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each one by its name. Because of his great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. Not a single star is missing. None of them have moved from the orbit that God gave them to, to, to be in. Or, or no planet is out of its orbit. I don't even know if the stars orbit. That could be, you know, they're probably just chill right? In a very hot way. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. This scripture is a call to lift up our eyes to God, to look at Him, to see how great He is, how powerful He is, how able He is to keep the whole universe running and ticking as He created it to. It's a call to come to Him, to rely on Him, to work in your life, personally, Instead of saying to people, would you pray for me? You go and you get on your knees and get before God, the creator, and say, God, I need you. Will you help me? Will you lead me? Will you guide me? One-on-one, -on -one, you and God. Young people, God is calling you to himself. Now, examples. And stories. The book of 1 Samuel, and I'm going to read for you 1 Samuel chapter 2 and 3, almost the entire two chapters. Okay? And I want you to, to, to open your heart to the scripture now and let it speak into your soul. Now, the sons of Eli were scoundrels who had no respect for the Lord or for their duties as priests. Young people, what are your duties? Is that a hand? Oh, you're just stretching. Okay, careful. <laughs> I'm just playing, I'm just playing. Young people, what are your duties from the first verse that we read? Pardon? To respect the Lord and... Okay, participate, young people. Let me read it for you again. Now the sons of Eli were scoundrels, and no, your duty is not to be a scoundrel who had no respect for the Lord or for their duties as priests. What are the duties, young people, that you have? To be? Priests, William. Thank you. Young people, you're called to be a priest. You're like, oh my goodness, I don't want to walk around with a long dress on and smelly stuff and you know I grew up in the Greek Orthodox Church and I had to help the priest and the priest was weird 
He had a long beard and he dressed in black and he was, you know, I mean, he smelt funny from all the incense and, you know, that's not a priest. A priest is somebody who ministers to the Lord and to the people. It's someone who serves the Lord and serves the people. Young people, your call, sorry if I'm shouting, forgive me. You can turn it down if you need to, Josh. Young people, it's just passion. Young people, you are called to minister to God and to minister to His people. Young people, you are priests in this house. You are not kids or children. You're not called to go play when you arrive at church. You're called to serve. To serve God and to serve His people. You should be running around looking for the older people. Can I bring you tea? Can I help you to your chair? Can I go fetch you a cappuccino? Can I help to clear up and tidy up afterwards? Young people, do not neglect your duty. You are called to be priests. You're called to serve in the worship team, to serve on the deacon's team, to, to, to facilitate the work in the house of God. Why? So that you might respect the Lord who's made you and gifted you. That's just the first sentence of two chapters. We are going to have to get ready for lunch. Whenever anyone offered a sacrifice, Eli's sons would send over a servant with a three-pronged fork. While the meat of the, of the sacrificed animal was still boiling, the servant would stick the fork into the pot and demand whatever it brought up be given to Eli's sons. All the Israelites who came to worship at Shiloh were treated this way. The people who came to worship God were mistreated by Eli's sons. Their sacrifice was mistreated. Their worship was despised and they thought about only what they could get for themselves. Young people, when you see the congregation come to worship, are you giving yourself in worship or are you watching from the back? Sometimes the servant would even come before the animal's fat had been burned on the altar. He would demand raw meat before it had been boiled so that it could be used for roasting. The man offering the sacrifice might reply, take as much as you want, but the fat must be burned first. Then the servant would demand, no, give it to me now or I'll take it by force. You're like, they were disrespecting the worship of God. So the sin of these young men was very serious in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offerings with contempt. Young people, the Lord is interested in how you respond. The Lord cares how you worship Him. It matters. You matter. Your serving on a Sunday is not insignificant to Him. He loves you. He loves it. It matters. Let me just say, when I say young people, I mean everyone under 100. But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord. He wore a linen garment like that of a priest. Samuel was just a boy. He wasn't appointed a priest yet. He wasn't even one of the sons of the priest. But he served the Lord. And it doesn't matter if you're an elder or a deacon or a, you've got a title or you're a community leader. You can be a young child and you can serve the Lord. Samuel came and he was wearing a linen garment. That means he was prepared to serve the Lord. He was prepared to worship. He had spent time. He cared about the Lord. He loved the Lord. He used his time and his life to serve God with it. Even while he was yet a boy. Each year, his mother made a small coat for him and brought it to him when she came with her husband for the sacrifice. Before they returned home, Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, may the Lord give you other children to take the place of this one that she gave to the Lord. 
And the Lord blessed Hannah, and she conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. Parents, are your children growing up in the presence of the Lord in your home? Or are they growing up like sometimes mine are in the presence of YouTube or in the presence of PS4 or in the presence of whatever else? What is the habit at dinner time? What is the habit at breakfast time? What is the habit in terms of evenings, bedtimes? What is the habit? Are they growing up in the presence of the Lord? Because parents, you are the ones that will bring the presence of the Lord or not. Often when our kids go and play with other children, the parents will come to me afterwards and they'll say, your, your son, you know, I mean, he, he was like this, or he said this, or he encouraged, you know, or your daughter, you know, how, wow, how does she? It's just the presence of God is real for them by His grace. Is the presence of God real for our children as they grow up in our homes? It continues, now Eli was very old, but he was aware of what his sons were doing to the people of Israel. He knew, for instance, that his sons were seducing the young women who assisted at the entrance of the tabernacle. Eli said to them, I've been hearing reports from all the people about the wicked things you're doing. Why do you keep on sinning? You must stop, my sons. The reports I hear among the Lord's people are not good. If someone sins against another person, God can mediate for the guilty party. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can intercede? But Eli's sons wouldn't listen to their father, for the Lord was already planning to put them to death. You're like, hold on, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. I mean, what kind of God are we talking about here? That he's planning to put children or sons to death we're talking about a holy God who will not show favoritism it doesn't matter if you're an elder or a community leader that doesn't make your children any safer remember the Bible teaches the Lord does not show favoritism young people it doesn't matter who your parents are or how they have served the Lord. The Lord holds you responsible for your life. Individually. And so serve Him and obey Him. It's amazing to me. Eli, their father, he was the, he was the chief priest. Was he? Is that what he was called? He was the priest of Israel. And he was aware of what the high priest Yes, he was aware of what his sons were doing. And the most that he could do to discipline them was to say, please stop it. Sometimes as parents, we need to discipline our children in a firmer way. Sometimes we need to introduce boundaries for them that they won't introduce for themselves. Are we hearing today? I had a conversation just this week. One of my children went to visit a friend of his and he was there and he came back and he was very disturbed because he had been playing with his friend but his friend has an older brother. And that older brother started to question him about Jesus. And so he was answering, well, you know, yeah, Jesus is God. And the older brother was saying, no, he isn't. And, and no, you can't really believe that. And these people are leaders in one of our churches. And so he came back home to me and he was like, Dad, I'm, 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 I'm really worried about this guy, the older brother. You know, he, he was trying to persuade me Jesus isn't God. And, you know, and, and 
I was shocked. I, I, I thought, what? You know? And so I immediately picked up the phone to his dad. And I said, hey, buddy, um, you know, my, my son was just there and he was playing. And, and this is what happened. Are you aware? And the dad started crying on the phone. Yes, I'm aware. And I've been struggling with him and for his heart. And, 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 and he's, not, he's not believing in God anymore. He's decided that he's an atheist. He, I'm like, what are we doing to go towards him? Right? And there's no guarantee that our children will love God. This is not, it's not like it's an indictment on you if your kids don't. No, it's grace. It's all grace. This is not a hard message. But what I'm saying is, is that parents, we need to take responsibility for our kids from the youngest time and make the use of every opportunity with them. Often we think, oh, I'll teach them later, or oh, I'm tired, you know, I, I don't want to go read Bible to them. No, don't do it. Be disciplined as you raise your children, as you disciple them. Be purposeful. Bring them the Word of God daily on purpose. It's very serious. I think we've got the message. So I'm going to skip to 1 Samuel chapter 3. And it says, Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. <laughs> How many of our children are assisting the elders with some form of work? Anyone? Any of the children assisting the elders in, in, in the service of, in the work of, of God in this congregation? I think there's lots of young people assisting. Or, or is assisting for, 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 for other people? Because young Samuel learnt how to be what God had called him to be by assisting somebody else who was serving God. I've seen the young people at the check-in desk helping their parents to check in the other young people. I see the, the, some people serving, some of the young people serving in the kids' work, serving in the worship. And sometimes we think, but ah, you know, a Monday evening every week, what about this? That? Let the young people serve. Let them assist in the work of God because their calling and their destiny will come through serving in the house. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Proximity matters. He was sleeping in the temple of God right next to the ark. Do you think God chose him because of that? Or was it just a coincidence? His mother, from the moment he was born, had said, I'm going to dedicate him to the Lord. Samuel was one of the most powerful prophets in the entire Old Testament. Do you think the heart attitude of his mom and her dedication and her prayers made a difference? I think they made a difference. Suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied. What is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. Young people, 
Have you had a message from the Lord yet? Have you heard the Lord's voice yet? Because I'm telling you, He wants to speak to you. He wants to use you to reach the world. Young people, listen. God wants to know you personally. He doesn't just want to speak to you through Uncle Lucas or Uncle any one other uncle. He wants to speak to you. He wants you to hear His voice for yourself. God is alive. He is powerful. He wants to work through your life. Listen to this. So the Lord called a third time. And once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Eli did not say, okay, stay with me, Samuel. Let me explain to you about the Lord and about how he speaks and about, and, and this is what his voice sounds. He just said, okay, God wants to speak to you. Go and listen. There's value in being taught by other people. There's value in listening to the Word of God taught and preached. There's value. But there's value in going by yourself to your room, closing the door, opening your Bible, and being quiet and listening for the Spirit to speak to you. It's in that place that you'll hear the call of God. It's in that place that he'll start to whisper to you about the plans and the destiny that he has for your life. About the calling that he has for you. So what did Samuel do? So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do a shocking thing in Israel. And he continues to say how he's going to bring about the destruction on Eli and on his family because of what Hophnius and Phinehas are doing. How old was Samuel? Anyone know? He was around eight. Something like that. And God chose to speak to an eight-year-old about the high priest. God is not waiting for you to grow up. God wants to speak to you as a young man or as a young woman. I can tell you one of the most powerful prophetic words I've ever experienced in my life was through Michelle. There, sorry. Do you remember when she came up and Declan was standing here and she said, I saw a big white man. Do you remember? You saw a big white man on the stage with a big sword behind Uncle Declan. I remember you came in and then you saw the lights going out and the stuff. And as she was prophesying, one of the ladies started to manifest. The demon couldn't handle it. Through Michelle. Are you an elder, Michelle? No, you're not. How old are you now? Turning 14, so you must have been about 12 at the time. What's the thing to learn from that scripture? Young people get to know God now. Set aside, Francois, set aside part of your day to listen to God. He's already speaking to you. There's an inheritance that God has for you young people. 
There's another story. Remember, I'm allowed two stories. See, I was clever. I started preaching at the beginning. There's more time left. Exodus chapter 33. And this is talking about Moses, who's leading the people of Israel. And it says from verse 7, it was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Everyone who wanted to make a request of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. They would all watch Moses as he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. When the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would stand and bow down in front of their own tents. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp. Listen. But the young man who, was, who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Who was Joshua? Some people say he was an orphan because he was son of Nun. That's a joke. It's been a bit heavy. It's just trying to, yeah. All the people, all the, the whole people of Israel, they were at their own tents and they were honoring God in their way at their house. But Joshua went in with Moses. He assisted Moses. He saw who is God speaking to. How does it work? Who's the lead? And he assisted him. He went in with him. He didn't get in the way or dominate. And God spoke to Moses face to face. And then when Moses left, where was Joshua? stayed in the tent of meeting because he also wanted to meet God and see God and experience God. Is it surprising to you that when God takes Moses, he looks for someone to lead the people of Israel and who does he pick? Joshua. I've got some friends that we got to know when we came here. And they've been in the church for a long time. But you know, for them, every Sunday, most Sundays, they're not here. You know why? Because their kids have got sport. Their kids have got sport. They've got competitions. They've got whatever. And, and so they're not here. And the odd occasion when there isn't a particular sport thing happening, they come. There is no life of God and power of God and fear of God and destiny of God upon those kids. Sometimes they'll come when it's convenient. But when it's not convenient or when there's another priority, it grieves the Lord. What happened in that tent of meeting? Exodus chapter 24, very quickly, verse 34 and 35 described it. It says, but whenever he went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he would remove the veil until he came out again. Then he would give the people whatever instructions the Lord had given him, and the people of Israel would see the radiant glow of his face. So he would put the veil over his face until he returned to speak with the Lord. It's talking about Moses. It happened the first time when he went up on Sinai and he spent 40 days with God and God gave him the Ten Commandments. He had spent time with God and when he came down, his face was glowing. It was shining with the glory of God. And then every time he went into the tent of meeting, his face would glow because he had met with God. 
Are our faces glowing with the glory and the presence of God? Are our lives glowing with the priorities of the kingdom? With the things of God? Or are we filled with anxiety and darkness because we focused on the world and the things around us so much? Get to know the Lord for yourself. So, Joshua decides to spend time with the Lord. And he does. And he leads the people of Israel. And he's a mighty leader. And they, they take the promised land under Joshua. But you know what happens next? And, and, and this is why there's an urgency and an importance of this, that we hear this message, parents and young people. Because this is what happens if we ignore this message. Listen. Judges chapter 2, verse 8. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110. They buried him in the land he had been allocated at Timnasera in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. After that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. And they went after other gods, worshipping the gods of the people around them. And they angered the Lord. And it goes on to say how the Lord fought against them himself. Because they didn't know God. You see, it's one thing to hear the stories from your parents. It's one thing to hear Andrew talking about how he climbed the hill by his house and he was praying at the start of Josh Chen and Julie and them were all in the kitchen and he saw this white um, spiraling light and the Spirit descended on the house and he ran into the house and as he said, I saw then the Spirit hit him and, and, and it's wonderful to hear about what the Lord has done in the last generation. But it's not enough. It's not enough just to hear about the mighty works of God. Because just in one further generation, the Lord can be forgotten and his mighty deeds forgotten, and our children can start to follow the things of the world and run after those things. And so we have to, as parents and as young people, we have to know God for ourselves. We have to say, like Moses said in Exodus 33, God, if you don't go with me, I don't want to do this life thing. If your presence is not with me, I can't Go on. I can't lead. Guys, we need to make it a requirement of God that He is with us. You're like, whoa, what are you, hold on. You can't require things of God. The Bible says, knock and the door will be opened. Seek and you will find. Ask and it will be given to you. Are we asking God for His presence and His power in our lives personally, young people? That was a question. There was a young man by the name of Habakkuk. Anyone ever heard of him? Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 1. This prayer was sung by the prophet Habakkuk. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. But in this time of our deep need, Help us again as you did in years gone by. You see, Habakkuk had heard about what had happened with Moses and Joshua. And, and he said, God, I've, I stand in awe of what you've done in the past. But today, do it again. May God wake up in you young people a spirit of Habakkuk. Where you would go to him. 
Once you've heard this, you would go to your room, you would seek him out, you would open the word of God, and you could say, I've heard what happened with Andrew. I heard what happened with Uncle Will. I've heard, I've seen how you moved amongst the nations. But God, do it again in me. What are your defenses against this? I'm too young. Well, Timothy says, don't let, uh, Paul says to Timothy, don't let anyone despise you or think less of you because you're young. But being young, be an example in everything to all the believers, in your speech, in your love, in your faith, in your purity. It doesn't matter if you're young, be an example. Others of you will say, I, I will do that. It sounds amazing, Lucas, but I, I, want, I will do it later. I want to enjoy myself first. I want to enjoy my teenage years. I want to, you know, I want to do what everyone else is doing. The Bible says, but seek first the kingdom, not seek second or later or afterwards. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things, all of the things that you seek from finding your life will be added to you. In Matthew chapter 5, the master says, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Come enter into the joy of your master. If you are faithful with your young years, God will give you many more responsibilities. The first time I ever met Mervis personally was in the Isle of Man and he said, come, let's go and have some lunch. And we went to an Italian restaurant called Alessandro's. And as we sat down, it was me and Annie and the kids. And Mervis was there. He immediately looked at George. First thing, uh, we hadn't said a word. He said, do you mind if I prophesy over your son? I'm like, sure, go for it. And he started to prophesy over him. And he said, you, you will be a leader. God is going to use you in your church. And by the time you're 17 years old, your dad is going to serve on your team. I can't wait to serve on my son's team. Will you be faithful as a young person and let the Lord raise you up to be great in his house? One Corinthians chapter fifteen verse fifty-eight. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Gabby is serving at the AV. James is serving on the worship team. Josh is serving with the sound. Look at the three of them. Average age, about eight. <laughs> Young people, your labor in the Lord is not in vain. The Lord is pleased with it. What about your fears. I'm weak, I'm small, I'm insignificant, I don't have much strength or talent compared to others. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 27 says, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. Chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. Chose what is low and despised in the world. Even the things that are not to bring to nothing things that are. Think of, and this is my last story, King David. He was a young man. Samuel is sent to anoint the king. His own father doesn't even think he's good enough to bring him into the lineup when the prophet is coming to anoint the new king. His father, Jesse, doesn't pick him. He leaves him in the field to look after the sheep. 
And Samuel comes and he sees, who's the first one? Eliab. And he's a big man. He's got big, broad shoulders and, and he's strong like Nick. And he's like, surely this is the next king. And God says, don't look at the outward appearance. Because I don't judge by the outward things. I, the Lord, look at the heart. Don't look at yourself from an outward appearance thing. I told you last week what I used to look like when I was a little boy. Oh my goodness, it was scary. Thank God the Lord doesn't look at the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. And David, that little boy, it says, the Lord has not chosen any of these, Samuel said. Then he asked, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. What was he doing? Working. Serving. Being faithful. Learning. Taking responsibility. Making mistakes. You know, shooting at the squirrels. And then suddenly, whoa, there's a bear shooting the bear. And then, whoa, there's a lion shooting the lion. <laughs> Look at that. I see what a stone does to big things. Send for him at once. And then it goes on and it says, And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So David stood there amongst his brothers. Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon that young man from that day on. We have the same Spirit today. And he wants to come powerfully upon you. And how many of you know David didn't become king for another, probably, I don't know, 20 years after that. But that young boy with the sheep, the father says, go take some cheese. They, the, the army are going there and he brings some cheese and loaves to his brothers. And there he sees Goliath. Did he have the power to kill Goliath? No. But what did he have? He had faith in his God. And he took him down. I've got a lot more to preach, but I'm not going to. Practically. I've got a lot to preach on practically. Lots of scriptures for you. But the bottom line is this. Young people, listen now. God loves you he is for you he is powerful he is powerful enough to lead you and guide you and provide for you and and to do great things through your life but if you want those things if you want those things you need to want God himself you need to be like little Samuel in the temple serving God praying listening to him desiring even though there's older kids around you or other young people around you like Hophni and Phineas who are, are scoffing and mocking and and despising the work of God you need to be pure you need to be dressed for the Lord like little Samuel and the Spirit of God will find you and will fill you and will rush upon you like he did with David Can you feel the Spirit? He's calling you. Spend time with the Lord at home. Get into the Bible. Read it until you know it. Until you know every story. Until you know the character of Yahweh. Until you see and you feel what He feels. And you experience. And then you can be His. And then he will use you for his glory. It's not a thing to do for a week. It's a thing to do for the rest of your life. I 
feel the Spirit here so powerfully this morning. I would ask the elders to come up here, please. And what we're going to do is we're going to lay hands on the young people. If you've heard this message and you feel like you want God to move in your life. And remember, young is anything from zero to a hundred. then what I want to ask you to do is come forward and stand here and we're going to pray together and we're going to lay hands on you. We're going to ask the Spirit of God to come upon you. Amen? Let's do it. You can stand and come. Just one thing now, as we called up uh, everybody, I, I really felt also for, um, for parents at the young grandparents, that there's a desire in your heart for your children and your grandchildren. And maybe they're not serving the Lord. Maybe they are, but you know there's so much more for them. And I believe as we pray, if you, if you stand up for them or if you come forward for them, for your children or your grandchildren or, your, or children in your family, nephews, nieces, and stand and believe that the Spirit of God will reach them where they are. You know, there's a lot of guys here, and obviously there's a few elders to be able to lay hands on you, but I can tell you who can lay hands on you as well, together with the elders, is the Holy Spirit. And I feel as Lucas has shared this message, and this message didn't happen by accident. We discussed it on Friday, and we were crying in the elders meeting because we felt the, the burden of the Holy Spirit and Genesis 1 says that the Holy Spirit broods which means he sits over uh, like a chicken sits over eggs and incubates them and heats them and I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to brood right now as he did over the earth the Holy Spirit hovered over the earth the Holy Spirit wants to hover over those that have come forward The Holy Spirit, we just ask you, um, can I ask you just to lift up your hands to Him? Holy Spirit, we just want to ask you to come and do what you do. Come and do what you did with David. Come and do what you did with Samuel. Come and do what you did with Joshua, God. Come, yes, Lord, yes, come, Holy Spirit. Come and move on your people, on the young people, Lord God. Fill them with yourself, with your power, God. Give them a vision for their lives that you have for them, Lord God. 
Empower them, Lord God. Give them strength, Lord God. Give them your spirit, Lord God. Come, Holy Spirit. Come now, God. Yes, Lord, I just pray now, Lord God, that as we hear before you, come, Lord. Come, Lord. Stir it up in our hearts, God. A passion for you. A vision, Lord, to be used by you, Lord God, to know you. To see your power move again in our generation, God. Oh, Lord, come and do it, Lord God. Come and do it, Lord God. Can I ask all of us just to cry out to God now? Just to ask Him for what we want. Yes, Lord, we need you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come in power. It's not by power. It's not by might. It's by your Spirit, Lord. So, Lord, we come, Lord, whatever we've got, Lord. Whatever hinders, whatever ensnares, Lord. If there's sin, Lord. If there's sin crouching, Lord. Lord, we pray, Lord, that we will rule over it, Lord. Everything that raises itself above your name, Lord Jesus, that will be brought low, Lord. Lord, we cry for you, Lord. We cry out to you, Lord. Come by your Spirit, Lord. The anointing that breaks the yoke, Lord. Lord, I pray for every single person that is standing here, Lord. They know there is a yoke, there is a struggle, there is a battle to run into the more of you, Lord. It's your anointing that breaks the yoke, Lord. It's not by power or might. It's not by our strength. It's by your Spirit. We need you, Holy Spirit. Come and have your way amongst us. Come and break what you need to break. Come and fall what you need to fall. Come and shake what you need to shake. Come, Holy Spirit. We need you. We depend on you. We are surrendered to you this morning. We say, come and have your way amongst us. Come and have your way. Come and have your way, Holy Spirit. You are welcome here. We cry out to you. We need you, Holy Spirit. Come, Lord, and have your way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.